0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to sports Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Mortinos, and today, guys, we have a great episode on tap for you guys, so let's get straight to it. So, um, last week, we had the week off Um, here at From Ballparks to Buzzerbeer. We figured, you know, it was school vacation week, we also... Have been going essentially. We went without the th- through the entire NFL season with no breaks, um, and then I believe that. So that's about um, eighteen regular season weeks. Then you have the Super Bowl, um, three playoff weeks. In addition to that, so that's another four weeks, and then you have the bye week before the Super Bowl. So that's um, that's almost. That is 23 straight weeks, um, and then we were going for a little bit before that as well. So give or take, you know, 28, 29 straight weeks here at Front Ballparks of reservoirs. We figured now's a good time to get it off the chest. You know, we've got the Celtics, we've got the Bruins still in full swing. But they're in the regular season. We can talk about the playoff stuff as that gets closer. And we are definitely going, the B- Celtics and the Bruins are going to be the focus of this episode. But we also figured, you know, now's a good time to take a breath. We've got March Madness coming up here. I believe Selection Sunday, if my memory serves, Selection Sunday is on the 12th this year. Um, And games start the 16th, so two weeks from today. Actually, the games will be starting, which is very, very, very exciting. Um, so we will be doing a little stuff for March Madness as well. But mostly, the focus here, for a, quite a little bit, we'll do a little MLB season preview as well. But for a little bit, it's going to be on the Celtics and Bruins because these are—the Celtics aren't the best team in their league anymore. They're the second-best team um, behind the Bucks by half a game in— by game in the losing column, and then you've got the Bruins who are lighting the world on fire in um, in the NHL, and they're way ahead of everybody else, obviously. Um, so that's really who we're going to focus on um, to start. We'll start with the Celtics um, just because why not? So as I just mentioned, the Celtics behind the box right now, as I said, the Bucks are a game ahead of them in the um losing column, but they are the second best team in the league um, by a game over the um by half a game over the Denver Nuggets, who are forty four and nineteen, um, leading the West by five and a half games. So I don't want to go, you know, really widespread across the whole league yet because there's a lot of different things going on. I mean, you just look at the West, right? You've kind of got these top three teams. You've got the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Kings, and those have kind of been, you know, those are the top three teams, right? Like they're three and a half game. The Kings are three and a half games of the four of the Suns who are the four seed right now. You know, there's really those are your top three teams based off the standings, and then you've got the Suns, Warriors, Clippers. T-Wolves, that's four through eight. Those teams are all within two games of each other. So you have five spots worth of seeing within two games of each other. If I had to guess, I mean, one of a championship hopeful at the beginning of the season, one of the Suns, Warriors, Clippers, and Mavs is going to be in the play-in tournament, which is going to be very, very interesting. There's potential in this NBA Western Conference Finals, in my opinion, for a team like... For whoever finishes in that 6-7 slot, whether it's the Warriors and the Clippers, Clippers and the Mavericks as it is right now, I think the Clippers could beat the Kings and I think the Mavs could beat the Grizzlies. There is potential for big, big upsets in the Western Conference and then you really just have some teams fighting out for the last really two playing spots you've got the jazz pelicans trailblazers lakers and we'll throw in the thunder those teams are all within a game, uh, two games of each other as well and then the spurs and rockets are obviously very far out of playoff contention but it's not looking good for the lake show either with um the lebron james injury but then this is a very different picture in the east where i would say the east have three of the top four teams in the league in my opinion but then you look at the east six through ten spots, and I'm not worried about any of those guys. You look at the, um, the Western Conference six through ten spots. I'm worried about the Clippers. I'm worried. I would be worried about the Mavs if I was a high seed. But you've got the Bucks at the one, Celtics. That's gonna be a two man, uh, two team race for the one seed in my opinion. Then you've got the Sixers who are four and a half games of the Bucks. So there. They're kind of holding on their three, um, the Celtics duel and the tiebreaker over the Sixers. Then you've got the Cavs, who are two games behind the Sixers. I think those are your clear-cut top four teams. They've been the top four teams all season long. I'm scared of the Clippers, too. If I'm the Celtics, I'd almost rather play the Sixers in the second round than the Cavs. Um, but, excuse me, I'm scared of the Cavs, not the Sixers. Well, I guess I'm, yeah. But, I mean, I'm scared of both teams, but I'm more so scared of the Cavs if I'm a Celtics fan. Then you've got the Nets at the five seed who have been playing great basketball as of late. Six game win streak. Bucks are on a 15 game win streak, by the way, if you missed that one. But the Knicks have won six in a row. They're at the five seed. The Nets are at the six seed, but they have no Durant, no Irving. They're kind of a bunch of scrambled parts here. And then you've got the Heat and Hawks. Are the seven and eight? I think the Hawks can make a run to get out of the play in tournament. But then you've got just like some teams underachieving Raptors, Wizards, Bulls, all underachieving. And then you've got the Pacers, Magic, Hornets, Pistons who are all rebuilding. But I'm very, very interested to see how this shakes out because I could, like, if I was taking a team to win the championship right now, I would say the East. But if I was putting one against one, two against two, three against three, four against four, et cetera, et cetera, in the conferences, I would take the West. The West is deeper. The East has more talent at the top, even though I would argue that the West has more superstars. In the West, you've got Joke Chick, Joke Chick um, two-time MVP, probably going to win a John Morant, right? Then you've got Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Steph Curry. Klay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Luca Doncic, Kyrie Irving, Kat, Rudy Gobert, and Damian Lillard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, who aren't in the playoffs. And then in the East, you've got Giannis, obviously a star. Drew Holiday, Chris Melton, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell. But then the Knicks don't really have like a star. I mean, Julian Randall's a star. Uh, he's a good player. He's an all-star star, all-NBA caliber player right along there. You've got the Nets who have nobody, he who have Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, and Deontay Murray. I don't know. I just see more star conference in the West. But let's let's explain. I'm going to explain to you why I feel good about my prediction at the beginning of the season, Bucks coming out of the East. First of all, Southeast have played a great season, right? They've been in first place most of the year. They've played a really, really really, you know, good season with a rookie, a coach, and all that stuff, but we're past that honeymoon phase, right? This is the team that should win the NBA title, period. This is the deepest team. I think this is the best team in the league, but there are just a couple things that scare me about this team. First off, the minutes per game. These players have not been resting. They've played a lot of minutes. You look at some of these guys, Jason Tatum, 37.3 37.3 minutes a game. That's second in the league behind Pascal Siakam. Okay? That's second in the league, and then he's kind of sandwiched in between Irving and Siakam. Uh, Irving's three. They've got Jalen Brown, who's at 35.7 minutes a game. So you've got two guys in the top 15, okay, who are... um, Who are... Leading the league in minutes per game. Those are, 37.3 is a lot of minutes. It's a lot of minutes, especially considering they've been the one seed. They've got Marcus Smart, 32.3. This is the number that concerns me right here. Al Horford, 30.7, 30.7 minutes per game. Al Horford is a veteran player. He has been around for a while. He's 36 years old. This is a big number for Al Horford. If I'm the Celtics, I'm looking to get him rest down the stretch. He's having a good season, though. 9.4 points per game, 6.1 rebounds. But that's my, that's my, that's my biggest concern, number one is the minutes per game. And then you guys you've got guys like Brogdon, 25.5 minutes per game. White at 27.7, Grant Williams is at 27.3. I would like to see an uptick in Robert Williams 24.2 minutes per game. Maybe if you can kind of average Horford out to 27 and Williams out to 27, I would like that a lot more. Um Muscala's averaging 22 points 22 minutes per game, but that's obviously Um, skewed a little bit by his OKC numbers. Sam Hauser, 15.6 minutes per game. Those are kind of the major rotation pieces. I mean, if you want to include Payne Pritchard, he's at 12.5 minutes per game. Blake Griffin has actually played more minutes per game than Payne Pritchard this year. But that's problem number one that I have with the Celtics is the minutes that the star players have played this season. Mainly, Jason Tame and Jalen Brown, but Al Horford at 30.7 is also a big concern for me. Number two is their end-of-game execution has been lacking. And I don't need to pull up stats for this, right? You can, If you're a Celtics fan you've watched the games, it feels like in big moments, Jason Tam throws the ball away. Big moments, Marcus Smart, they they just get nervous. And I would love to see Joe Mazzula call a timeout once in a while. You know, set a play-up, say, okay, guys, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 and this. I think that would be... Very, very helpful for this team. I think they need that. I think they need that. So that's another thing that I would l- enjoy seeing from the Celtics is Barry Lake game execution. I think Joe Mazzulla is comfortable drawing up plays. I would just see, like to see him use those timeouts more often. I think that would be very, very helpful and very, very beneficial for the Boston Celtics. Number three is Jason Tatum and he's kind of been in this all-star rut ever since he got back from the break. I don't have the splits, but they they have he hasn't played good games um against the Thunder, against the Sixers, um obviously at that big shot against the Pacers. Um he had that big tipping and then against the Knicks he didn't look good. But I mean, he is a top 5 player in the league. 30.1 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game. He is shooting 35.1 from three. Jalen Brown is shooting 33.6. The highest three-point number on the team is Malcolm Brogdon's 46.4. Al Horford is right behind him at 43. I'm going to lump the two J's together because they're very important to this team, obviously. But those three-point numbers need to come up. Especially Jalen Brown's. I don't know if he's been as low as 33.6 since his rookie year. I mean, I can search that up real quick, but I don't think he's been that low. 33% for him is very, very low. That's very, very low. And something that we haven't seen in a while. Jason Tame at 35 is low for him still, but it's kind of more in his career line. So yeah, so Jalen Brown has a um, average three point percentage in the regular season of 36.7. He's at 33.6 this year. Last year's at 35.8 year before 39.7. 33.6 is the lowest in his career. so he is shooting the worst from three points we have seen in his career. As I said Jason Tatum is at 35.1. His career regular season is 37.7 three-point percentage, so 37.7. Last, last year, he was at 35.3. This year, he's at 35.1. 2020, he was at 38.6. 2019, 40.3. 37.3 the year before, and then his rookie year came in hot at 43.4 um, from deep. So, I don't know. I don't know, something that's concerning. And just going back to the minutes conversation, this is obviously the highest minutes he played in his career. Um, Even last year, he only played 35.9. So essentially, we can call it 36 minutes per game. And again, sticking with those minutes, Al Horford's at 3.7 this year. The last time he was higher than this was 27-2018 at 31.6. That's... Five years ago now, so he's thirty one as opposed to thirty six, and that was kind of the number he's he was hovering at in Atlanta. Last year it was twenty nine point one, so increase something that I think needs to be worth watching in the minutes, and just Jason Tatum getting out of this All Star rut. Can he be the Can he be the point scorer that we all know he can be? That's a big question for the sellers coming up because I'm starting to lose faith. I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in this team. My faith is wavering. It's for some reason. It's, it's just something that you can feel with this team that I don't think they're gonna win at all. They should. They're the best team. But for some reason, some reason something seems off with this team. I still like the Bucks in the East. I picked the Clippers before the season. That's looking a little worse. I mean the Nuggets have an awesome this year. The West is a completely different game. But I have the Bucks, The Bucs and the Clippers before the season, I didn't have the Celtics making out of the East. And I'm not going to lie. I, I wouldn't be worried if I'm a Celtics fan, but my faith is starting to waver in the Boston Celtics and Jason Tam and Joe Mizzou and Jalen Brown. Then you keep these guys healthy. Then you keep these guys on the floor. And then you see what happens here. Because these, this next... I think these next two weeks or so, especially monitoring Jason Tams, specifically his performance, is going to be very, very important to watch. But let's move over to the Boston Bruins, who, as I said, 99 points. The points record, I believe, is 132. They have played a total of, they've won 47 games with eight regular season losses and five overtime losses. They're at 60 games. The all-time wins record is 62 set by the Detroit Red Wings, and I cannot remember the year. But that's what we're looking at. We're looking at they need 15 wins. They need 16 wins in their last 22 games to break their record. And I believe they need... 133 points so 133 they're at 99 right now so that's 34 more points that's essentially 17 wins or you know 15 wins and two overtime losses gets you to 17 but that's kind of what they're going for that's the record that they're attempting to set here and they have they have just been completely dominant i mean you look at this team every single metric Blowing teams out of the water. Most wins in the league, most points. But goal differential, they're at plus 97. Plus 97. The next highest team in the league is the New Jersey Devils at plus 51. The gap between the Bruins and the next highest team is 46. 46. That's the same essentially, as the Calgary Flames gap to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or, if you want to be a little different, it's the same gap as the Pittsburgh Penguins to the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a big gap. Blowing teams out of the wire. They're on an eight-game win streak right now. And then the game Tuesday night against Calgary was especially impressive because they had no business winning that game. They got outshot by... I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was a minus 37 shot um, on goal differential. That's the highest that that's the biggest deficit the Bruins have ever faced. Linus Olmark with 54 saves. And that's where I want to that's where I want to start this conversation with the Bruins. If you had to ask me one team, what Boston team right now, between the Bruins and the Celtics, do you feel better about? It's the Bruins. It's the Bruins. Because They are just, everything's gone right for this team. I mean, their goalie scored a goal last week. Never happened in Bruins history. But Linus Olmark is the runaway Vezina trophy winner. He should be an MVP candidate the way he's playing. 9.38 save percentage, and I know he's only playing 38 out of the 60 games. And that's probably why he's not in the MVP conversation. McDavid's going to win the MVP. Nothing wrong with that. He's playing 38 games. He started 37, won 31 of those games. I mean, I I don't I don't know what to say. Thirty one, four losses, one overtime losses, and two losses and shutouts. Uh, shootouts, excuse me. Close allowed per game average one point eight eight. I mean, what what more can you say about this guy? This needs to continue. For he's only played thirty eight games, so he should be relatively fresh. He should be relatively fresh. Last year, he played 41 games, over so he played exactly half the games. But look at this save percentage jump, right? 2019 through 2021, 915 915, save percentage, 917, 917. This year, that's a 938 save percentage. Okay, goals allowed in that same time span, 19 and 22, so the three previous years. 2.69, 2.63, 2.45. This year, I already mentioned 1.88. I mean what else what else can you say about this guy right now? He has been elite. Elite. He has been phenomenal. He's the he's basically the same goalie at home and on the road. Slightly better at home, but still. Even in losses, he's still averaging 2.61 goals allowed. Ridiculous numbers from Linus Omar absolutely ridiculous he is the reasons why the bruins have 99 points he's the mvp of this team without a doubt he is the reason why i feel good about this bruins team entering the playoffs the most important thing is playoff hockey is one depth score is one the goalie lena solmark checks that box number two scoring depth bruins have that bruins have that look at their lines right you got Martian? Skating on the left. Marcian bergeron line has been good, great. Then you got the check line with Zaka, Krejci, David Pastrnak. Then you got Taylor Hall on the third line, who admittedly hasn't had a good season. With Charlie Coyle in the middle. And then what has been Trent Frederick or A.J. Greer. And then you picked up Dimitri Orlov, who of course, because everything is going right for this Bruins team, has five points in his first three games as a defenseman. I mean, I've never, I've never seen a team where you look at them and you say, everything is going right for this team. Absolutely everything. And Jeremy Swayman is having a good year too. Linus obviously has been the star of the show. But Jeremy Swayman in net, 916 save percentage, 2.33 goals allowed average. He's still having a good year. 916 is basically right where it was last year. He was at 914 last year. And he's allowing .08 fewer goals on average. It's ridiculous what this team is doing. I mean, I cannot overstate the shock of where this came from. This was a team that I was talking about in August of blowing everything up. Trade Marchand, trade Pasternak, give Ber- let Bergeron and create- let Bergeron retire. Don't resign Krejci. You know maybe you'll be competitive. We'll see. Maybe you'll fight for a wild card spot. I, nobody. Ex- if you told me you expected this out of the Boston Bruins, whether you're a Bruins fan, a Canadiens fan, national media, local media, that's absolutely false. Absolutely false. But the concern for this Bruins team is just how hard this East is going to be. This East is going to be an absolute problem in the playoffs. Let's look at the playoffs currently for the Eastern Conference. You've got the Bruins, 99 points have been the powerhouse of the league. you got the Maple Leafs at 82 points, who um, just had Ryan O'Reilly. Still got Austin Matthews who's out for a little bit, I know that. But that's a really good team over there. Really good team up in Toronto. You've got the Lightning, who have been in the Stanley Cup three straight years. Or four straight years now. I believe it's three straight. Still at 78 points. Still very, very impressive. Then the Metropolitan Division, you have the Carolina Hurricanes, a six points. New Jersey Devils, a three points. Two teams that have been very, very good, especially Carolina. They've had your number lately. They've got the Rangers who are at 77 points, just added Vladimir Tarasenko, just added Patrick Kane, arguably two of the top five biggest trade deadline pickups we're going to see. Their threat. Then the wild card. you got the New York Islanders who just added Bo Horvat, 70 points. Penguins are, st- are still going to be there, 69 points. Sabres have 66. Panthers have 66. That's still a very good team. Florida Panthers were the President's Trophy winners last year. Then let's just, just for fun, let's go to the East, uh, West. The Vegas Golden Knights have the best record in the West with 76 points. To put that in your perspective, six teams in the East have better points than that. Six teams. But in the West, it's more every team's from 76 to 72. Those are your top eight teams, right? And the Calgary's at 67. But the East is going to be a problem for the Bruins to get out of. This is what I'm going to say. I feel better about the Bruins for the next month and a half or so before the playoffs start. Seeing Depending on how the Celtics go, I think the Celtics have an easier road to the finals of their respective sport. The Bruins might have an easier road to a championship though. If the If the Bruins get through the East, they are winning the Stanley Cup. Just because of the gauntlet and the murderer's row that this East is going to turn out to be. But that will do it for our Celtics Bruins talk here on From Ballparks to Buzzbeers. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Um, next week we will have some more Celtics, some more Bruins talk. Um, just getting a couple more specific things. Depending on how March Madness shakes out, we might. Um, that week of the 12th is selection Sunday, I believe we are, that episode will be coming out on Wednesday just to get it in before, um, the tournament starts. We're not going to do our traditional bracket breakdown, um, unfortunately, but we are going to do, you know, I'll give you my predictions for the tournament teams. I like teams. I don't like who I think is going to win, um, so we'll do that Um, next week. We'll probably be more Bruins and Celtics stuff. Then after March Madness, then we have to get a new MLB preview, which is going to be very, very exciting. And then we're kind of off and running with the NBA NHL playoffs. We've got to do a next week might be a free agency, um, NFL free agency episode as well, which I believe starts that same week of the March Madness tournament. So, We'll figure out how we're going to do that as well. We might just throw in a little March Madness at the end of the free agency episode. Um, Then we've got the NFL Draft coming up. So very, very exciting Um, couple months here before we get into what really is going to be the dog days of summer this year, especially if the Bruins or the Celtics don't walk away with a title Um, this year. But as always, guys, thank you for listening. Visit wwwfromballparks dot com, Our Instagram is there, our Twitter is there, our Gmail is there. Guys, email us or DM us, any positive or negative feedback. segment ideas. Um, Even if you just want to talk, let us know if you like the show, please. Recommend it to people that you also think will like it. That would be a great help to us here at From Ballparks to Buzzard Beers. But, guys, please don't hesitate to reach out at all. If you have something to say, I don't know what you're going to say until you let me know. But thank you guys for listening. I'm Perry Mortino signing out with the From Ballparks to Buzzard Beers sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.